Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the sixth installment of Don English Podcast. Please remember to feel free to write me, whether it be about having classes, ideas for future podcasts, or if you would like a copy of the transcription. So today, I'm going to try a little bit of something different. I'm actually going to use two to three episodes to tell you about my time in India. So this is definitely one of the most interesting places in the world I have ever been. Um, and I really, really hope you enjoy this. So I remember before leaving for India, quite a few people had told me India is the place people always go to find peace. And to be honest, after what I experienced, they either went to a completely secluded place in India and avoided all major cities, which uh, is totally possible because now that I think of it, those people were a bit bougie, if you know what I mean. Um, or what they meant was, if you can find peace in the chaos, that is India, you'll be able to bring that peace anywhere in the world with you. Which in my case, the second was definitely true. I arrived late in the evening to Delhi, so I really didn't get to see much that evening. I just could see silhouettes of buildings and feel the heavy humidity in the air. I had found a place to couch surf before arriving to spend my first week in Delhi. If you don't know what couch surfing is, it is a website where you can find people from different countries to hang out with or even stay with for free in their house, which is amazing. The yes, it's cool because it's free. Um, but the cultural experience normally is out of this world. It will blow your mind. So that next morning, I asked my host, where should I go on my first day in India? I mean, there was so much to see, but where should I start? And well, he recommended old Delhi um, there's a new Delhi and old Delhi is really old I mean <laughs> really old um, yeah you will hear more in a second so I put on my sandals and headed out or left for that part of the city when I arrived at the metro station, I realized that I was completely underprepared for this. I can honestly say that this was not the best place to start off the trip, especially alone. I almost got trampled. That means run over. By I don't know how many cars, but not only cars, horses cows. I had piggies running across my legs. 
It was crazy. There was a thick, thick smog in the air, and it was deathly hot. Sometimes the sidewalks just disappeared and turned into wet mud. This is in the middle of a huge city. That just sidewalk gone. Boom. Poof. Nothing. <laughs> and then your feet are soaking wet. Covered in dirt. Possibly poop. We don't know. The chaos was just out of this world. It really blew my mind. Everything was overly stimulating. I didn't even know where to focus, which made it even harder to cross the streets. Which, by the way, crossing the streets was ridiculously hard. They, <laughs> you have to run and hope that nobody hits you because they just do not care. They do not care. They stop for no one. They will hit you. It's, oh. I remember actually looking down at my feet after a few hours of walking. And from my ankles down, they were just covered in black, my feet. I don't even know what it was. But it wasn't alive and it wasn't moving. So that was at least a good sign. But my toes my ankles, my heels were black, literally like I had just left a chimney. Crazy. So as I continued to walk, I saw that there was a man moving a cart that he had filled with vegetables to sell. And there was a bowl. Yes, a freaking bowl in the middle of one of the busiest, biggest cities in the world, following him and even stealing some of the vegetables from his cart. When the man noticed, he started to hit the bowl with a stick. And for me, when I first saw this, I... Because <laughs> everyone knows that in India, the cows are holy, and you would not expect to see something like this, but... Clearly, this was not the first time he had been stolen from, from one of these animals, and he was tired of it. So he hit this bowl so many times until it went crazy. Now, this massive creature jumped up on the sidewalk and went running down the sidewalk while all the people ran for cover, trying not to get run over by this bull. Oh my god. Can you imagine seeing this? And the screams, they're like, get out of the road! Get off the sidewalk! It just, you are walking down the street, it's a normal day, and all of a sudden, you see a huge bull running towards you, what a way to ruin your day and possibly destroy your pants at the same time. On a side note, something really relaxing, be a little bit positive here, about the cities in India is the 
constant smell of incense that you can find. Even if there is a big, big pile of trash, you can't smell it because the incense covers it, which is quite refreshing in some way, yes. So after all of this craziness, the Spanish bullfight and uh, <laughs> the, the dirtiness and the, the smog, I had enough. So I jumped back on the metro to go back to my host house. And when I arrived at the, uh, the metro station close to the house, I noticed something. This is a bit graphic. Um, graphic means disturbing in this case, like very not nice. But there was a young girl sitting there. She was probably about six or seven years old. And she had a newborn baby with her. This baby, though, was on the ground, face against the cement and not moving the little girl was crying asking for money she would sometimes pick up the baby's arm and it would just drop like the baby was completely lifeless i also remember seeing that no one was giving money so I walked over with a few dollars to give to her when I was suddenly stopped by a young Indian man. He told me, sir, please don't give her that money. If you do, you promote the mafia here. They are the ones that put these girls on the streets and they drug the babies so they appear dead. I was instantly just depressed. He told me that when foreigners see this, a lot of times they give 50, 100 US dollars or euros. And because of that, you see these kids with half-dead babies more and more often. And since the police aren't combating it, this is the only way they can fight it, by not supporting it. That seriously was one of the heaviest experiences I've ever had in my entire life. Actually, now that I think about it, I'd say most of my heavy experiences in life comes from India. <laughs> but there, a lot of them are nice stories, especially if they didn't happen to you. So... After a bit of chatting with the young man, he asked me if I wanted to come over, and I said, hell no, because I didn't know him. I mean, we just met. But we continued to talk there. He was super interesting. He was a medical student, and he was very spiritual. And he really wanted to help make people more aware of their karmic duty in life. Over the course of this conversation, he had asked me two more times to come to his home. And finally, on the third time, I agreed, 
but only because he told me that we were going to be on a motorcycle. And if I felt uncomfortable, I could just throw him off the bike and run away. So we drove for a good 10 minutes. And when we arrived, I could already smell the food from outside. Oh, it was so tantalizing. The, the smell, wow, sweet baby Jesus. It was amazing. I really felt like I was floating towards the door, like in one of those cartoons. The father opened the door and greeted me and the mother kept her distance. Actually, the mother never came and sat with us while we were eating because I was there. And just to clarify, this was a Hindu family, not a Muslim family. The food was out of this world. It had the perfect amount of spice and just wow. Mm. I am literally drooling from my mouth right now thinking about that food. I had fireworks going off in my brain. It was amazing. Oh. And I had no idea where the mother was hiding at that time. So I just yelled a big thank you. And I appreciate you. And I heard a little distant giggle in response. So I think that is a good sign. After eating, we sat down in the living room. And by we, I mean the dad, son, and I. They started to tell me a little bit about what they believed in. First of all, they were Brahmin. I don't know if you know about the Indian caste system. Something that most people learn about. Um, and at least for us, they taught us in the U.S. that the caste system is dead. But... In fact, it is still very much alive and very, very strong in their society, especially for the rich people. The father also told me that he and the mother would arrange his son's marriage to someone of equal class. No less. Has to be a Brahmin. I asked the son what he thought about it. And he actually seemed pretty optimistic about the whole situation. Then they proceeded to tell me they were descendants of Krishna. If you don't know who Krishna is, um, Krishna is a deity from the Hindu religion. You may have heard of the Hare Krishna. Um... Sometimes you can see them and they sing, they sing, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, something, something. It, it's like that. But you may have heard of him or heard the songs. Anyways, <laughs> um, he told me that all Brahmins in India are descendants of their gods. And that when they pick a wife for their son, they have to make sure that the other family does not share the same lineage as them. 
basically they want to avoid incest on a godly level if that makes sense um so they have a long list of family names to look through to make sure there's no family relations going back to the same god so if they pass the part about incest then it moves on to the alignment of the stars when they were born to see if they match and this is a real thing yeah they can calculate certain aspects about you judging by the position of the stars at the time of your birth and they compare them to see if it'll actually function so it's a bit tactical <laughs> and practical i guess because it's saying can we actually by numbers match them together i mean could you imagine if every society function like that it would be a well cool weird insane i don't know that's that's up to you to decide so if this part works out then the family would get together and discuss dowries and other things once this was done the future husband and wife would not get to see each other until the day of marriage Whew, uh that's a bit extreme for me um i definitely couldn't do that yeah i mean pictures maybe but i don't know if you heard about the angles the angles is basically when someone can take a picture at a certain angle and they look really different let's say i don't want to say like extremely beautiful but just different like you're like ooh, i like this one but then when you see them in person it, and I don't know if you remember the word catfishing. <laughs> this is the same concept. They like you totally look different in person. So yeah, um, it's not my cup of tea. I mean, and I literally love my dad and my mom to death, but I would never let them pick my wife for me. <laughs> We have extremely different tastes, and I'm sure that a lot of you probably feel the same way. And then the dad also told me that I was, in fact, a Brahmin. <laughs> yes, that's right. I am the child of a god. What about you? Are you even a Brahmin? <laughs> Actually, you are. You are a Brahmin too. In fact, any foreigner in the country is a Brahmin. No matter their social status outside of India. So, just in case there are any homeless people listening to my podcast, um, try to get over there. Because you will be treated like a king or a queen. Um, and just for anyone in general, this is something really to experience because it guest is god in india it it's very true you i was there for a month and a half and i think i only spent 130 dollars in the whole month and a half because so many things were just free and that brings me to my next point one of the things that i noticed was indians are generally happy-go-lucky types of people always smiling and super helpful when you need it. 
always there to lend a hand. There was one day I was walking and three guys on a motorcycle stopped and asked me where I was going and if I wanted a ride with them. What do you think? I mean, three people on a tiny motorcycle and they want to add a fourth person? <sighs> Who would do this? I mean, that's crazy. But we have a saying in English, and I live by this saying, and it has gotten me into a lot of trouble <laughs> in the past. When in Rome, do as the Romans do, or be like a local. So I jumped on the back, and they took me to my place. I did arrive in one piece, my whole body, no scratches, nothing. Although there were a few times that we almost fell off. And I don't know if it was my lack of being a fourth person on a motorcycle or the driver, but I'm going to take the blame on this one. That That's totally me. Yeah, that's my bad. My fault. <laughs> also, another thing I noticed while in Delhi is you can meet someone and talk about meditations and the meaning of life. Yet if you put this same person behind the wheel of a car, they completely change. They get what we call in English road rage, which is getting angry, extremely angry while driving. They scream, honk the horn, and curse at the people around them. And yet again, as soon as they get out of the car, it's, how are you, my friend? All smiles and joy. It is super oh, amazing to see this huge change. They really live in the moment. Um, driving is hell. <laughs> and when you're not driving, you're happy. When you're driving, you go all in, 100% rage. Live your life. So after all of this fun, after all of these experiences in one city, um, and I was there for about a week, I actually decided to escape the bigger cities and change the vibes. So I bought a train ticket to a smaller, quainter place near the Indian-Pakistani border. It's actually about 14 miles away from, it's like 20 something kilometers, I guess. Yeah, higher 20s for kilometers. Um, to a place called Jay Salmer. I hope I said that right. Um, it is the jewel of the Rajasthani desert in Western India. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. I love bringing back these beautiful, chaotic, amazing memories. So until next time, my people, goodbye.